0: everyone and welcome to a new episode of Force Coast Coast to Coast Multiversity Comics Resident Star Wars Podcast bringing you all the news from a galaxy far, far away. My name is Alice W. Castle and as always I'm your host and as is becoming relatively frequent uh, <laughs> around these parts I am being joined by the one and only Brian Salvatore. How are you doing Brian?
1: Uh, doing better than I was a half hour ago. Let's
0: put it that way. Yeah, so a funny story about this episode. This was pretty much just going to be Brian and I in a post-mortem about the first season of Clone Wars. Brian recently wrapped up his uh, look at that on the website. You should check that out, by the way. Um, And it was kind of going to be a post-mortem about his thoughts on that. And then... (laughs) <laughs> maybe the greatest news that i have seen since the words episode seven showed up in the multiverse email draft a few years ago um we got some great news
1: and and, and great news literally 15 minutes before we were supposed to start recording like we're not joking about the time frame like we were going to record at 5 p.m eastern and at four forty-five p.m eastern this news broke so yes, this
0: is we are recording this literally the night before you're hearing this. <laughs> we we are reacting to the news that I should explain that uh, a new Star Wars trilogy of movies is in the works uh, that is going to be written and directed by The Last Jedi's Ryan Johnson, which is a sentence I am incredibly excited to say.
1: Yes. Uh, and also, uh, five minutes after that story broke, it also broke that there will be a live-action Star Wars television series that will be coming to the Disney streaming service that is launching in the tail end of 2019. Now, that does not say that the series will be launching in 2019. I think it's more likely the series will launch in 2020 after Episode Nine comes out. But we'll yeah. get into all of that in a minute. So my my first question, Alice, and... I know we have no. I, also, I want to preface this chat, this chat by saying we have no answers. By the time you hear this, you may know way more than we know when we're recording this. Because, oh yeah, jo- like probably strap
0: yourselves in for an hour and a half of speculation.
1: Yes, um, but my read on this news is that they are letting Johnson do an entirely new trilogy with n- with no obvious ties to the past. Do you read it yeah. the same
0: way? They've explicitly said that. They have said that this
1: will have no ties
0: to the Skywalker saga. It is a new corner of the universe. The words Kathleen Kennedy used were as a blank canvas of this new trilogy. What that sounds like is... So J.J. Abrams did some good work in setting up the uh, the new trilogy and the new kind of landscape of uh, of Star Wars... Ryan Johnson came in and blew them out of the park, and they couldn't get him back to do episode nine after Colin Trevor left.
1: They're giving him his own ballpark to play in. I mean, that's first, okay, so l- let's just I know we've talked about Ryan Johnson a little bit on the show before, but mm-hmm. Ryan Johnson is maybe my favorite living filmmaker. He's certainly in my top 10 or top five uh, favorite directors out there.
0: He is, yeah, he's he's my, he's my on my Mike Rushmore.
1: Yeah, he, he is incredibly innovative. He's incredibly smart. He is a huge fan of cinema and uses the um, sort of tropes and standards of modern cinema in really interesting ways. And I think for a lot of people, myself included, when he was named the Episode 8 director, we all sort of said, like, that's awesome. But it but it's a little surprising because Ryan Johnson seems like such an idiosyncratic filmmaker. I wonder how he'll fit in with the Star Wars franchise. Now that this has been announced, I think the answer we all know is that he fits in perfectly with him.
0: Yeah. I mean,
1: is there any better pre film hype for The Last Jedi than this? <laughs> no. This is so I, I have to think that this is one hundred percent
0: planned for that. And I'm seeing a lot of people saying that, which is like, holy crap, if they're that confident in his work in The Last Jedi, like, obviously, you know, we've seen enough of The Last Jedi now to know that it's a pretty safe bet this is going to be a good-ass movie. (laughs) Right, yeah. But this is just the icing on the cake of, like, yeah, we know we've got a good product in the can to the point where we have such a good relationship with Ryan Johnson. He can just go... He can just do whatever he wants with Star Wars for three movies, and like it's pretty assured that this is going to
1: rule. <laughs> so, 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 you know, some of the thoughts that I that I had when I first read this. First of all, I don't think he's going to wind up directing all three. It the language mm, yeah. is, the language is very specific that he has been signed on to develop this and to write and direct the first installment. Now, I think you're gonna see him and I hate to use this word because it's really a word associated with television, not with films, but be the showrunner of this trilogy. Mm-hmm. But I don't I don't know if, if Johnson is necessarily committed to making four Star Wars movies in a row.
0: Yeah. I, I I really doubt that he's gonna like, even if he does direct all three of them, it's one hundred percent not gonna be consecutive four Star Wars movies.
2: Right.
1: Right. Um so, yeah. So, I mean, that's the other thing. I guess we are used to, I mean, the original Star Wars trilogy came out in the span of eight years, I believe it was. Um, yeah. Something like that, right? 77 to uh, 83. 83? So, less. So six years. Six years, yeah. And, you know, the um, the second trilogy will come out over the span of six years as well. This mm-hmm. might come out... As over... was
0: the prequel trilogy, right? Uh... 99 to 2005?
1: Yeah, yeah, so, but this new trilogy might very well take 15 years to come out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if they are going to just do Ryan John, if, if Johnson's going to do this all himself, and he's not going to go consecutively, this could take quite some time to come out. Mm-hmm. Which is fine. Like, you know, I, I think it's great. Um, I, uh, I wonder if there will be any connective tissue that he wants to put in there. Are we getting- I
0: have to imagine um, that there is one of the things that was really interesting. So I watched the uh, the Star Wars show that they do on their YouTube channel. Yep. Um, every Wednesday, it's actually really interesting. It's uh, Andy Gutierrez who does the Rebels Recon, like, Aftermath uh, show. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's half news show, half interview with someone from Star Wars.
1: I've it's seen a few of them. Mostly
0: yeah. pretty funny. Um, And the last interview that they had was Kathleen Kennedy herself. And there was a point where she talked about the kind of collaborative process and working with Ryan Johnson and how, you know, they brought him and talked about kind of like the original ideas of what would become The Last Jedi. And then he just disappeared for like three months and just wrote and then came back and was like, this is all I've got laid out on the table and then started the collaborative process of like turning it into the film and I have to wonder if during that time where all he did was come up with ideas of what this film would be, those, that was the point where people started saying, like, we could spin this off into its own thing.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I wonder if, I mean, even just, you because know, one of the things I've thought about a lot with Star Wars is that there's never been a Star Wars film ever aside from A New Hope when you don't know at least a couple of characters in the film. Even Rogue One, which is 90% new characters, still has Darth Vader, Grand Moff Tarkin, and Bell Organa in it. Yeah. And so f- for this, f- for these films to be completely brand new is something mm-hmm. unprecedented for Star Wars.
0: Yeah, like this is... Because this is kind of like what they were saying, where it's like, it's a, a corner that's never really been... In- like It says Johnson will introduce new characters from a gar- corner of the galaxy I can't talk tonight, which is great for a podcast. Uh, Johnson will introduce new characters from a corner of the Star Wars galaxy, lore that has never before been explored, which has me really excited.
1: I I know a lot of people on Twitter are upset that it's not going to be like a Knights of the Old Republic Mm -hmm. series. And while I understand if you're a fan of Knights of the Old Republic why you might want that, to me, the idea of something brand new is way more exciting. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, the thing is, like, I feel like the language is it could still be potentially Old Republic related because we've never seen that explored in the new canon. You know, that was all expanded universe stuff. Uh That could be a kind of loophole of, like, yeah, we've never seen this before in canon. We're going back and telling Old Republic stuff. Like, pre Uh, like, Sith War Jedi stuff, potentially. Mm -hmm. Or it could be set after Return of the Jedi before Force Awakens. Or it could be set (laughs) anywhere in the entire galaxy. Yeah. You know? Like, throw a rock at Star Wars and you could find a kind of small hole for uh, Ryan Johnson to fit a trilogy in.
1: It's just... It's pretty it's pretty unbelievable because one of the things that is, that is a constant source of conversation between you and me and our fellow Multiversity editor, Matt Garcia is this, this sort of disconnect between hiring a director with a vision for star Wars versus making star Wars, what Lucasfilm wants it to be, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and this sort of came to a head when, um, the, uh, the directors of the Han Solo film were removed in favor of Ron Howard, with yeah. you know this idea of they weren't making the kind of movie they weren't making a Star Wars movie. They were making their own movie, and that was unpopular. And you yeah. know we we've debated many times the pros and cons of having like a a production house that is in charge versus a writer director who is in charge. Mm-hmm. This seems to be kind of splitting the difference of that. Yeah, where it's letting and I think the. Go ahead sorry keep no, going? no, you go ahead
0: well, I think what I was going to say is I think what has benefited that is they've seen that Johnson can work well in that kind of uh continuity driven space of the saga film mm-hmm. and create something new that feels like a touchstone of the saga where they can be like cool we we you know the the kids grown up and can get the keys to the car by themselves, you know like yeah. We're we're, because you know, Star Wars is a multi billion dollar franchise. I completely get where you know the people behind the money come in and say, Cool, you don't get to play with our toys as long as you're not behaving, right? So, as with the relationship that they've clearly forged with Ryan Johnson, I can totally see them being like, Yeah, we'll reward this by letting you continue making films as long as you want and kind of carving out your own little scene.
1: I also think there's a big difference... Apparently. Yeah, I I think there's going to be a big difference between Johnson being allowed to play in a brand new sandbox versus Han Solo is this beloved character that they Mm -hmm. probably felt that there was a certain tone they needed to to strike, that if that wasn't being struck, they were worried. Whereas if it's all new stuff, no one can complain about Johnson not doing these characters right. He's the one inventing the characters. You know, that... That is different, also,
0: because like you have to understand, like with the Han Solo movie, like this is outside of the handful of novels that um, explored Han Solo's backstory in the expanded universe. Like this is the first time, like the majority of people are going to see a Han Solo film exploring what happened to him before a new hope. Right. Like this is going to be like. A defining aspect of a character that has become like legendarily iconic even outside of how iconic star wars is like that's a lot of importance and i feel like they were putting a lot of weight on uh, lord miller to kind of deliver a product that would work there and to get guys that were reportedly just kind of riffing on han solo jokes i can understand where they were like yeah no you need to kind of like be a bit more concise with this because we've got a lot of money writing on this
1: yeah um so obviously we can't talk too much about what we think the story is going to be nor because we haven't seen the last jedi yet we also can't really talk about the tone that johnson brings to star wars but i think that from <laughs> the trailers two things have have been very apparent to me. First of all, Johnson is a visual storyteller like none other. Mm -hmm. He just creates a world that is absolutely beautiful. So, even beyond everything else, I'm just excited to see more Johnson-designed planets. Yeah, especially Johnson-designed
0: planets that aren't kind of beholden to a specific time period in the way that, you know, like, he's working with the First Order that has a Fairly established kind of aesthetic that he is you know we're seeing him kind of push boundaries right um compared to what was established in force awakens especially same with uh kind of luke's uh whole abode on acto and the stuff with the resistance seeing him kind of like basically more canto bite esque um stuff where it's like literally brand new whole cloth ideas being brought to star wars yeah that's what's going to be pretty cool
1: yeah absolutely and I think that one of the uh you know one of the things that we have talked about on this show was sort of how you know they they've they've pretty much said that they don't see necessarily another saga trilogy popping up right after episode nine comes out yeah and we've kind of talked about well there what's going to be the thing that's going to sustain Star Wars is it just going to be uh you know these standalone anthology films in, for 10 years or whatever it is. And then that, I think this begins to answer that question. Because, um, mm-hmm. I mean, let's just do some math here. So episode nine comes out 2019, correct? Uh,
0: y- As far as it's kind of on track to, yes.
1: Yes. So December of 2019. So we can probably yeah. s- presume a, standalone anthology film in 2020 that seems to be the pattern here is that a a saga film and then an anthology film saga films being in odd years anthology films being in even years um so do you think that 2021 we're gonna get the first of these films
0: god i would like to think so but you know like we said is ryan johnson going to be able to jump straight from because you know as far as we can tell the last jedi is pretty wrapped up yeah like obviously production has wrapped on it it seems like pre-production has mostly wrapped on it from uh what johnson's posted on social media like up until like the the actual premiere next month christ that's not very far away
1: no it's not um
0: Up until the premiere, it doesn't feel like there's a lot still for him to be working on in terms of that film. So, is he going to be able to jump straight from wrapping that up this year into starting to develop these films even as early as next year? Like, I have no idea.
1: I am really surprised, just talking about timeline stuff that we still don't know what the anthology film for 2020 is going to be yet. Yeah. I find that really fascinating, actually. That they still haven't said what that's going to be. Because I cannot see a universe in which this Johnson film comes out in 2020. That seems insane no. to me.
0: Yeah, I I agree with you there. Um because that would be a fairly fast track production to go straight from, like, say, start pre-production early next year, right into production to get it done for 2020. That's really fast for a film of this scale that doesn't have, you know, the like basically what year and a half of pre-production that probably went into The Last Jedi.
1: I mean the last Jedi was in pre production before The Force Awakens opened. Yeah. The last Jedi went in pre like, pro- you know, probably six months before that opened. Right? Probably. So um key one. I I'm trying to think. You know, I uh if it went to pre production in mid twenty fifteen for a late twenty seventeen release. Then it would need to go into pre-production, essentially right now, for a twenty twenty release.
0: Yeah. And th- does, does one man have that much Star Wars in him?
1: I don't know, and especially because, like, the Last Jedi, at least at that point, you knew what the characters were going to be, you base you had the basic sketch of a story.
0: Yeah. So that is like
1: that's very different. You
0: already had. A platform to build from like you already had the main characters mapped out. You kind of knew where they were coming from. Like the middle chapter is even though trying to like take them somewhere new was probably the hardest challenge of episode eight, you already knew where they were coming from. Like that building block had been left there for Johnson. Right. So to take that and kind of develop not just new characters, but new characters and apparently this whole new part of the galaxy.
1: I, I don't think we're going to see this movie for a few years yet. Yeah, I'm thinking 2021. That's that's my best guess. My best guess is that... Um, so, <laughs> so here's the, the cynical part of me. Right? They're announcing this to obviously hype The Last Jedi, which is not going to need any hyping. Everyone's super hyped about it. You're mm-hmm. going to hear right before they de- the day they announce they've delayed Han Solo until December, they will then announce the, the 2020 <laughs> anthology film.
0: Could it be that the reason they haven't talked about a 2020 anthology movie is because their 2020 Star Wars project is this
1: live-action TV show? Oh, that's really interesting. Um do you ever think a TV show will take the place of a film in their mind? I don't think so, but maybe if it's.
0: They're able to market it onto the level of. This is the first live action Star Wars TV show, to my knowledge, outside of like. Does the holiday special count as a TV show?
1: <laughs> and I don't know if the um, Ewok films open in theaters.
0: Yeah. Um. But to be on that scale and to have it tie into the Disney exclusive streaming service, maybe that they give that room to breathe.
1: That is interesting. That is interesting. I still think it's going to be one of the three films we've heard rumored Yoda, Boba Fett, or Obi-Wan for 2020. Mm-hmm. The Obi Wan film to me is is one that they have to. The clock is ticking on that more than the others. One hundred percent. They need to pull that trigger as soon as possible. Because if you want you and McGregor to be old enough to be between the two films, but not knocking on Alec Guinness's doorstep, yeah. you have to do that very very quickly.
0: Because I think I think. One of the things I kept talking about in the lead-up to The Force Awakens was that when that movie was coming out, Ewan McGregor was, like, exactly 19 years younger than what Alec Guinness was when he filmed A New Hope.
1: Yes. Or something like that. Yes.
0: Like, he's in that gap right now, and the clock's are ticking
1: and, and you have to figure that Ewan McGregor is in... I mean, and this is not a knock on Alec Guinness. People just look younger in 2017 mm-hmm. than in, in 1977, so I'm yeah. sure that the window is wider than maybe we're giving it credit for. But it's yeah. not I mean, so. But it's not so wide that they can't that they had, that, that they can take their sweet ass time on this.
0: Yeah, you look at something like Logan. They're clearly able to make actors look far more haggard than they actually are. Right. Just through makeup, um, like, but there's I you cannot find a Star Wars fan who doesn't want this movie. That is true. I dare you to, I dare you to find a Star Wars fan who doesn't want because, regardless of what people say about the prequel trilogy, Ewan McGregor's Obi Wan is one of the most universally beloved parts of those movies. It's the, even the bad ones.
1: It's the most universally beloved part.
0: Like he was, he was so uh, um, undercut in those movies. Should have been the emotional core of those movies. Th- that that trilogy should have been his journey, the same way that the original trilogy was Luke's, with Vader's Anakin's downfall shown through his eyes. Right. That it's incredible that they got such a talented actor to give him almost nothing half the time he was working.
1: I mean, he brings so much to that character. Like, you know, he obviously brings the gravitas that needs to be there, but he also yeah. brings this sense of wonder and joy that is that is kind of hinted at in, in Guinness's portrayal. But Alec Guinness, like, you know, you, you see it a little bit, but McGregor really digs deep into it, and not even from the script that he's given. He just, you know, he his portrayal is just really, really... It's special. It's really special. And Mm -hmm. I, like you said, find a Star Wars fan that doesn't want to see this. I don't think it exists. So I I think that if they're holding off delaying, if they're holding off announcing a film, I have to believe it's because they're trying to get McGregor to do the Obi-Wan film. I
0: certainly hope so. Um, I cannot imagine a world in which they they bypass the opportunity. Because, like, they have to know we want this.
2: Right? Oh, of course, yeah.
0: There's no way they're just like completely oblivious, like, wait, who? You and McGregor? <laughs> Does he want to do a film again? I mean, look, like, they have to know.
1: The fact that he came back for one line of dialogue in The Force Awakens tells mm-hmm. you that he's game for it, right?
0: Yeah. He had, like, a, a, every interview I've seen where someone brought up, like, hey, so Star Wars, right? He seemed hungry for it. Because I feel like there's. Even though you know, there's a fair amount of story told about Obi Wan that we've seen. I feel like there's still a lot left unsaid in terms of his
1: Obi Wan. You know, well, it's you know, somebody pointed out something really interesting to me recently. Who was it? I don't, I don't think it was you. I forget. I forgive me if it's you, and I'm quoting you back at you. But somebody said to me that the reason they haven't announced the Obi-Wan movie yet is because we have to find out that Rey is his daughter or granddaughter first in Episode 8, and then they can it say... It certainly wasn't
0: me, because I am still on that Rey Skywalker train
1: Oh, okay. for as
0: long as I, I will ride that to hell oh, see, and, and back.
1: And I am I am full bore that she's a, she's a Kenobi of some sort. Um,
0: I, I, I get it, but there's just something about like, oh yeah this Kenobi fucks. It really... (laughs) I I tried to put my best Vince voice on for that. It didn't work. Um, You know what I mean? Just that, like, oh, yeah, Obi-Wan's secret relationship while he lived
1: on a desert planet. I mean...
0: If it it does go that way, I hope they explain it better than that. Yeah.
1: It won't just be like, he wakes up and is like, oh, fuck now," Just like, you know, all of a sudden he's... uh... (laughs) he makes that decision like I, I don't think that'll be what we're gonna get but but no but what I've, but that that
0: yeah i'm i'm immediately going to change my twitter name to horny one kenobi so give <laughs> me
1: <laughs> oh my goodness um but i i maybe just even once they settle race parentage then they'll announce it um but i don't know we'll mm. see Okay, so let's let's pivot for one second here to the TV series. Yeah. Uh, they haven't said anything yet about the TV series, right? I was like half
0: convinced it was like a joke article that was tacked onto this.
1: Like I was just like wait, wait, no. This is <laughs> someone's making this up. You mean like how I I checked 10 different times to make sure that the, the brian bendis tweet came from actually dc comics and not some cleverly yeah. disguised uh fan account yeah
0: because it was just like because the Star Wars.com thing was hey there's a new trilogy and variety was like oh yeah i guess new tv show i was like excuse me
1: <laughs> yeah uh so we know nothing about this so this is even more rampant speculation than anything else but I mean, this seems to me... I mean, this was rumored back in the 90s. Yeah. There was a time when Kevin Smith was attached to this. Do you remember that?
0: God, no. The So, the the only time I've ever kind of seen talk of a live-action uh, Star Wars show was when George Lucas spent about five years promising... I think it was called Underworld. Yes. Where he wanted the the wire of Star Wars... As far as I can tell, like, this, like, very, it's all about bounty hunters kind of thing.
1: See, there was, at a time, there were two Star Wars live-action TV shows that were being discussed, and one of them was supposed to be more of, like, a slice of life in the Star Wars universe type show, Mm -hmm. and I believe that was the one that Kevin Smith was attached to write and produce or at least was a, it like every episode
0: was just a shot of Han and Shui like leaning against Millennium Falcon, <laughs> and then something would happen off screen, and they'd go off and deal with that, and then come back and continue to talk in front of the Millennium Falcon?
1: It's just Han telling Leia sex stories the entire disgusting Leia sex stories the entire uh, series. Um, I don't, I don't think that it ever got past the like conversational phase. But I know at one point. There were two Star Wars live action series discussed. And I remember certain people being very upset when the uh when they were sold to Disney to be like, well now they're never gonna see those live action series. And you know, if Disney knows how to do anything, it's how to monetize and continue a property. Look oh, yeah. at look at Mickey 100%. Mouse. <laughs> look at Mickey Mouse, a useless rodent that has been in pop culture for a hundred years almost now
0: i'll um, have you know that mickey mouse is a saint and owns my soul
1: <laughs> okay a, a conversation for a different day um but <laughs> uh but
0: no i i get what you mean like even like because yeah the especially the underworld stuff it was mentioned so many times that like Every other cover of Star Wars Insider from the gap between like 2005 and 2008 was like, Yeah, no, we promise, we promise there's more Star Wars. It's probably going to be the Star Wars TV show that George Lucas apparently wrote 60 like hours of yep,
1: yep. at remember, some point. I remember reading that he had between 50 and 100 episodes written.
0: And I was just like, But you, where, how, how are you, George, where are you getting the money for this?
1: Like, what? <laughs> So, this has to be, again, whole whole cloth brand new characters, right? Yeah. There's no I would, way.
0: Yeah, I, I, even if, okay, 90% brand new characters, at least. Like, there's probably going to be, like, hey, that one, like, oh, hey... Dengar is one of our main cast because you know we can just cast whoever we want as Dengar because no one really cares. Right, right. But like it's going to be like Rogue One where the established characters all of that time period will show up as supporting roles, if anything. I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, th- I don't see. I I don't even know if they would if they would go that far. Like, it's funny. When I was growing up, there was this really stark line drawn between Star Wars and Star Trek. And mm-hmm. and one of the conversations that my that my Trek friends would say all the time is like, Star Wars introduced a handful of characters and then have built the rest of the universe around those handful of characters. Even if those characters yeah. aren't appearing, those characters are the reason for the other characters. And there's a ton of truth to that. And, yeah. But I I feel like if they're gonna do a TV show like this, Star Trek: The Next Generation is like a perfect template for this.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Bringing in an, an, like, an entirely new cast of characters in a show that is similar but has a very distinct tone from what you know we, we've seen in the past.
0: Definitely, because like there's a level of which that that's kind of partially the idea of. Um, The Force Awakens is the kind of next generation idea of you know, it's moved on, there's a new cast of characters, but there's some kind of the world is still the same. But there, I feel like there needs to be an even harsher disconnect with the, the TV show. And part of me really hopes that that's you know, I'm going to keep saying it, that's an old Republic show. I feel like the way to carve out the identity of that show without rubbing shoulders with what's you know been established before like that's the perfect time period to have people go like tune in every week to see a brand new corner of the star wars universe that the new canon has never before explored i'd be really interested in that
1: yeah you know uh part of my disappointment with the um aftermath trilogy was the mm-hmm. idea that you're never going to see those characters in a film or TV setting because there are too many connections between those characters and char- and actors that are old or dead. Yeah. So, like, you're never going to be able to get an Aftermath trilogy-style s- series because Leia is so important to those books. So, yeah. So it would never happen. So I think that you you either have to set it in the in the older public or in a time period like that where it's so where nobody that we met aside from maybe Yoda or or Maz Katana would be old enough to to be a part of or you have <clears> to set it in such a remote corner of the galaxy that you're not expecting Han Solo to show up.
0: Yeah. That was kind of what they were trying with Rebels initially it seemed like which was, you know, the idea of building a rebellion and kind of following a rebel cell. But because the, their adventures were so focused on this kind of like backwater world that was created for the show, you know, they kind of got away with like, so why aren't these guys rocking about with the Yavin crew? Right. Because they were on such a backward planet. And obviously they've kind of developed to that point, which is the point I think they should have started off with, mm-hmm. but that's just me. Um, Yeah, like, having that kind of remote angle works, but it depends on, like, because if they want it to feel important, there's a sense of, like, well, if it's not got anything to do with the movies, why should I care? Right. Which I've genuinely seen people talk to in regard to, like, Rogue One, you know? Like, oh, well, it's just a side story. Why should I care? It's like, this is a good movie. But, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, um, that, I mean, I you know, you and I both read the novels. You know, yeah. I, I'm like 40 pages from the end of A New Dawn right now.
0: Oh, fantastic. I'm
1: uh, really, really loving it. Really, really enjoying it. Yeah. Um, So I think the idea of new, I, I think that we are in a position where we better understand what something, can, how something can feel like Star Wars, even if it doesn't have any of the characters that you know and love in it. But I think for a lot of people, that's that's a tough pill to swallow, and I think that the the strategic timing of all of this, of that, you know, that Ryan Johnson is going to be the one helming it. I mean, look, I think we're all going to go ape shit over the Last Jedi. I I am so excited about this movie, and if that's the, I'm
0: ready to lose a week of my life to doing nothing but watching that movie.
1: Is there a movie pass? Where you are yet?
0: Um. Yeah, I I have a monthly like pass to my cinema, which lets me get into like two of these screenings for free. Yeah,
1: same thing. Yep. Okay, so I I pretty much signed up for that just for the force, just for uh, the last Jedi. Yeah, <laughs> like you know, knowing I'm going to go five times in a week or whatever it is, you know. Um, but yeah, so so by establishing the first movie about brand new characters it's smart for them to do it from the director that they want more from right like yeah. we're all going to be we're all going to be hungry for more Ryan Johnson Star Wars and we're going to get it the caveat is it's not going to be about the skywalkers and that's going to be okay. Mm. and that's that's a way to sell that so i'm wondering what the similar hook's going to be for the tv show there has to be something to to me there there's, yeah. there's got to be some sort of talking point of why this is going to be important otherwise because you know you run the risk and this is less of a concern in 2017 than it's ever been before, but you run the risk of it being... I mean, TV budget is obviously less than a film budget, so you run yeah. the risk of it looking shitty, and mm. that's a quick way to get I, people to tune out.
0: One of the things that I'm hopeful for is the fact that because they've announced it's going to go specifically to a streaming service, is that they're going to have that leeway of, like, okay, I. this analogy probably worked better prior to watching The Defenders. Okay. But the kind of Marvel Netflix shows where, like, those looked incredibly stylish for, like, you know, certainly the first season of Daredevil, Jessica Jones, for how little relative money they had compared to the movies because they were able to do, like, 13-episode seasons. Right. And I I certainly hope that we get a Star Wars show that isn't, you know, 22 episodes of filler that looks kind of crappy. And is like a concise well-produced show
1: right i mean <laughs> i remember reading when lucas sold the company that they bought all 60 or however many of, of those scripts for that show and yeah. that, that was part of the sale and i wonder if that's just lucas saying like oh yeah they bought my show or well if... yeah
0: because he also was like yeah they totally looked at our, my ideas for the force awakens right and you read like some of the behind the scenes, and you go like, "Yeah, baby," for like an hour, and then we realized they were garbage and kept <laughs> going with our own ones.
1: Right. So I want, but I wonder if there's going to be a um, something to base these off of. Whether it's it's going to be set in one of the no- one of the worlds that's been established by the novels, or it's going to be, you know, loosely based on the old Republic stuff. Like to me, there <laughs> has to be a hook of some kind to get people to care. More than just Star Wars TV show. Whereas that really should be all anybody needs. Yeah. Um, Look at myself. I mean, look look at myself, though. I mean, I I dismissed the Clone Wars and Rebels for years. Yeah. Stupidly now, I could say. But, you know, but I did. Yeah. And I think that there's, you know, there are people out there who are going to feel the same way. So especially with this being part of a streaming platform, this is part of Disney. I mean, Disney is smart to do this. This is the way to get me to subscribe to this service. Mm -hmm. you know so so they're using it to get
0: it's going to be like showtime They're you know like i'm gonna they've got twin peaks on there i'm going to subscribe to that and then i'm probably going to forget to cancel it once that's over yep so i guess i've got the streaming service
1: yeah and what i was going to say is because they're doing it on the streaming service they don't have to handle seasons the same way and i wonder if that means you're going to get a lot less episodes than you expect or a lot more than you'd expect
0: That is a good point. That is a very interesting point. Okay, I think that is a good note to end that conversation on. Okay. We are going to take a quick break uh, for a word from our sponsors, Multiversity Comics, Um, and then we're going to be back and we're probably going to half continue this conversation and half, as Brian mentioned, talk about his thoughts on Clone Wars. we will be back in just a moment.
2: Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily.
1: I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster,
2: A Silent Voice,
1: and
0: Pokemon Adventures.
2: We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations, like Netflix's Death Note.
0: At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick, so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So
1: join us on the first Friday of every month on MultiversityComics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice.
0: And we are back. So we were just talking about the... Newly I I can't talk tonight. Newly announced uh Star Wars live action T V show that's coming to Disney's um streaming service potentially in twenty twenty. And as Brian just mentioned, Clone Wars. You uh you finished the uh first season of Clone Wars.
1: I did, I did. How was that? Okay, so overall I liked it a lot. Yeah. I was I was concerned with uh, a couple of things I was concerned with the the tonality of it if it was going to to feel like the prequels that I didn't like uh, I was concerned with Lucas's involvement in it because you yeah. know that's just that's what we do um, but overall I really enjoyed it I I can definitely see why certain people would not have kept up with it. Yeah. You know, my some of my favorite episodes were the ones that did not involve Anakin or Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. But I could see certain people being really pissed off when an episode doesn't involve Anakin or Ahsoka.
0: Yeah. the uh, So, when it was uh, first airing, I watched the first... I obviously... I watched the movie when it came out in theaters. I was maybe one of the only ones to actually bother doing that um and then i watched the first season as it aired going into the second season and there was an episode kind of uh early second season when i realized that these are stories that are being told out of like strict chronological order that it's more of uh like obviously you know the show has arcs and episodes that are kind of mostly self-contained Mm-hmm. with a look to the, the wider galaxy and how it's affected by the Clone Wars and uses that um like very war timey radio opening from yep. the uh the Admiral as it's almost like pseudo opening crawl, which I always loved as a as a nice touch for that. Oh yeah. It, it, um, it
1: feels completely like a nineteen forties serial. Yeah. You know? Um
0: which I seems to be the the idea that Lucas was going for because he loves those serials so much that it was one of the main influences for Star Wars in general.
1: And Indiana Jones. Um, (laughs) He he built like his two biggest uh, properties off of those. So yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, But there was a moment when I realized that, wait a minute, if these aren't being told in strict chronological, that's going to frustrate the hell out of me because I'm incredibly pedantic like that. So I, I literally, I just stopped watching it and knew nothing about it until all of a sudden it was like oh yeah by the way the clone wars finished it's all on netflix here's the star com chronological order and i bunched it in three weeks
2: okay
0: like i tore through it and as you said like the first season is good and a lot of people wrote it off it gets better from here yeah like yeah
1: I I will say this: uh, uh, a a lot of people, including you, had told me like you're gonna love Ahsoka. Give it a little bit of time. I still mm-hmm. don't love Ahsoka, and I, I don't know yeah. if I don't know if that will change in in subsequent seasons or not. She just I, I don't like the way she's written in a lot of ways. I feel like they they walk this line with her where she's like an old school mom sometimes, like telling Anakin yeah. what he shouldn't be doing, and or whining about how she can't do more. And I like the character. I like a lot of what what they're doing with her. I just feel like she's still kind of playing second banana to Anakin and I want to see her do more of her own stuff.
0: Yeah. Um, That is certainly something that is addressed, especially in the first season. She feels a lot like the avatar for the younger audience. Yeah. You know, obviously this is a cartoon aimed primarily at kids and she's kind of their avatar into the world. Obviously the Would uh, presumably uh, recognize, you know, Anakin Obi Wan if they'd seen the movies, but like she's their edge. She's, you know, the, for a lack of a better analogy, kind of Harry Potter, like literally is learning about the world as they are. Right. Um, It takes a while for her to kind of really work into her own character arc, but I think once that they, get that kind of weight behind her i would kind of guess like late season two early season three is about when they do that okay there's definitely a point where there's a bit of a it's not much of a spoiler there's there's a, a change in designs uh and one of the uh kind of middle seasons to kind of show them growing up over the course of the war. Okay. Once it hits that point is the point I feel like the show really comes into its own. Okay. And that is when I think Ahsoka's best stories come into the fore.
1: Okay. Interestingly, while I've been watching the first season, I've also been been reading a bunch of the Star Wars novels, and I read Tarkin. And in Tarkin, it mentions how Ahsoka is put on trial for something and i don't jesus oh fuck and so i don't know if that's a clone wars spoiler i presume by your reaction it is
0: yeah i forgot that that was mentioned okay um (laughs) yeah um that is part of the uh the finale of one of the later seasons okay okay and it's
1: kind of a it's kind of a big arc but uh... that's really all i know is that and yeah I, i know tarkin's involved with that trial
0: there there is more going on with those episodes beyond the fact that Ahsoka goes on trial, which is like is that part isn't as big a spoiler. What would happen in the rest of that arc okay. uh, would have been the actual spoiler. Okay.
1: So like I said, I, I don't I don't know much I I wasn't like I wasn't pissed off when I read that. It actually intrigued me. Oh wow. Okay, that's yeah. that's something cool to look forward to. So I didn't I didn't mind that. Um I recognize that I'm doing all of this so out of order, <laughs> and in <laughs> such a, a sort of weird back and forth way that I'm I, I can't be mad about spoiler stuff. Like yeah. you know, at a certain point, I have to, you have to understand what's going on, you know. And and, and I think that I know enough from just seeing the internet that Ahsoka's yeah. journey is left somewhat ambiguous. Uh, again, I don't know that for 100 percent of a fact. But it seems to me like there's, uh, you know, there are people who are still talking about Ahsoka showing up and other things. So I, yeah, I, I'm I'm trying not I, I'm trying to avoid spoilers whenever I can with this sort of stuff, obviously because it's just it's better to experience it that way. Mm-hmm. But one of the realities is that because I am reviewing the show for Multiversity, I can't spend three weeks and binge watch it. Yeah, you know, I have to kind of spread it out. So. And that's part of the reason. Yeah, it's part of the reason why I, I'm changing it up for season two, where I'm going to be watching it in blocks. I'm going to do like you know, three to four episode blocks every week. Um,
0: yeah, I, I think that's a a better idea. Not just because that means you get through the season by like, what what do you say, like fairly, like halfway through next year.
1: I will. Something like I, that? I think I will wrap up. In like August or September of next year, if all goes to plan. Yeah. yeah. Um.
0: Yeah, because I, I, you've you've seen me talk about rebels. I don't think it's much of a spoiler to know that Ahsoka has a legacy beyond the Clone Wars.
2: Right. Right.
0: Um. It's just that the the events that shape that are fairly important to the character. Which is why I'm just like think like, it's a cool moment and I'm trying to like shelter you from those spoilers.
1: Right. No, and and I'm I'm glad about that and I really don't want to be spoiled. I don't. I want the show to to unfold the way I want it to. What I was what I'm hoping for and like reading A New Dawn, I, I all I know is that like is it Kanan or Canon? Uh Canon. Kanan. I thought it Canaan, yeah. I've, it's one of those things I've only seen written, and I've actually heard someone say it. Mm-hmm. I know Kanan is part of Rebels. I believe Hera is yeah. part of Rebels. Um, but again, I don't know that for a fact, and I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure if you know the other characters that I've encountered are going to be part of that show. But I've really enjoyed this book, and it's making me a little upset because I want to, I want to jump into Rebels now, but I can't because I know I can't skip the Clone Wars before getting to Rebels
0: yeah um season two especially rebels has a massive like follow on from the end of clone wars in a way that like if you experience that out of order it's going to be a massive disservice to just the storytelling talent on display right which is why like and i know that it's frustrating on your end but like the end of season two is some of the best star wars i've ever seen And it requires that emotional build-up from watching Ahsoka's journey through the Clone Wars. Right. Because like you said, like, she kind of hasn't come into her own from what you've seen. One of the joys I found from Clone Wars getting to the end of it is seeing how they reflect each other, especially Ahsoka and Anakin, Mm -hmm. where, yeah, right now she's a bit kind of like, well... The council said say this, so why are we doing this? And he just kind of goes like, well, because I'm Anakin Skywalker and right. I'm the main character. I'm the fucking
1: second. chosen one. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, but you get to see him become much more conservative as times goes on because he becomes much more protective of her. And she becomes much more rebellious because she's spent her entire time learning from Anakin Skywalker, who never does what he's told. Right. And that, that dynamic, I think, becomes uh, really fun. And I think you saw a little bit of it in the Jedi Crash episodes.
1: Uh, where, uh, remind me of what happens in those episodes.
0: That's the one where uh, the Star Destroyer crashes and into the planet and Anakin is... Uh, injured
1: yes yes
0: and ahsoka's with uh luminara yep uh not luminara uh sakura sorry um and you see her kind of like have to deal with being with a far more conservative jedi master Mm -hmm. than anakin when ahsoka's used to like no there's something we should do let's just do it right um the the play with that becomes a, a lot more Interesting as the show goes on.
1: Yeah, I I am very interested to see how some of the Jedi we've met, how some of the characters we've met, you know, their importance over the course of the uh, of the series. I'm also, you know, uh, I just finished watching Volume One of the hand drawn Clone Wars mm-hmm. cartoons, and I really enjoyed those for different reasons than I enjoyed the. The CGI, more canon Clone Wars uh, episodes, yeah. but one of the things that I think is really prevalent in the Clone Wars, in the Clone Wars, the the, the series, not Clone Wars, the hand drawn ones, because yeah. uh, we have to make these kind of distinctions here, is uh, I feel like the Clone Wars sees Lucas sort of trying to rehabilitate the image of Anakin. And say, yeah. like, look, you know, this isn't... This character is better than he got credit for. Here's why. Whereas in Clone Wars, in the hand-drawn stuff, he seems very much to be the same Anakin from the prequels.
0: Yeah, the... Because... Okay, my, my knowledge of where this split and the hand-drawn one is is vague at best.
1: I just saw him get, fight Ventress. You,
0: yeah, okay. That's... The moment that I was kind of sold on stories about Anakin outside of the prequel trilogy, all this like kind of because he seemed like a well, okay, I haven't seen it in a while, but the first time I saw it when I was still in high school, that seemed like such a badass like almost Vader esque fight.
1: Yes, yes.
0: Um, which is one of the reasons why I was so kind of uh open with how they develop Anakin uh throughout the cgi the clone wars Mm -hmm. um because you get to see not just more of the actual you know the fun loving side of anakin that we were told about so often throughout all of the movies that he was a great guy and he was a good pilot and he was a great jedi and it wasn't just because you you see those clips now of like uh uh alec Guinness's obi-wan being like yeah no he was a great friend and yeah. having seen the prequels that becomes tinged with like almost irony of like right, yeah. yeah no he was a super great friend he uh yeah. he dumped me on geonosis
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> and then when i say don't come get me he came get me and then uh he murdered all of my friends yeah. and i left him to die
1: <laughs> or it just makes you think that like poor obi-wan has such abusive relationships in his life that he still sees us as a good friend. Like you just yeah, want right? to, you just want to get him like a pal, you know, someone, someone to, to go to, to go watch soccer with or something. Just something to like take his mind off of the horrible life he's lived because he still thinks that Anakin was a good friend. Oof, that's yeah. Sad.
0: But like the the Clone Wars actually give you a feeling of like when he's not because like the the problem with Anakin not like as a character but in universe is that he feels too much. Right. He has too much empathy, and he doesn't know how to control that, and that clouds his ability to use the Force because the Jedi teach you to remove emotional instability to have a more finesse control of the Force. That's kind of their whole dogma, and he can't do that because he'd already had such a tumultuous life growing up as a slave that he can't rid himself of, of his emotions. He feels too much, which is, as much as I get why people... um kind of disagree with the notion that his downfall came from loving too much. I completely understand why someone who has far too much empathy could be manipulated into doing selfish things for what he thinks is the right reason and getting far too into it
1: to stop. But in like 45 seconds you have described that far better than the prequels did. That's the problem. That's the problem. And
0: that's one of the things that I think uh,
1: Clone Wars
0: addresses is you get to see a more well-rounded view of a character not character, person than what was written for not just Hayden Christensen but for Jake Lloyd. You get a three-dimensional person with ups and downs and who is very protective of the people he cares about because he cannot distance himself from that empathy um did you see the episode in the first season with the uh when they go back to geonosis is that in the first season uh i don't believe so uh let me see uh, i don't think so it might be a No, it's okay. It's a season two. I'm thinking of there. There's a great moment in the show that is was kind of the selling point of uh, Anakin's storytelling for me, in which they kind of address how early he's easily able to like draw on the dark side, okay, because he is so protective, and it's not really like a oh he's super evil. It's just like. And it's not like he's protective, therefore he has a hissy fit. It's protective, therefore, like he gets scarily overprotective.
1: Interesting. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm really it's enjoying dark the... moment. It's really yeah, I'm really enjoying the series, and I'm really enjoying, like you know, for for whatever reason. I mean, I, we've talked in the past many times about my love of the the Timothy Zahn Thrawn trilogy, and how you know yeah. that was one of my earliest forays into star wars outside of the three films and for whatever reason at a certain point maybe it was just prequel disappointment i stopped engaging with any star wars stuff that wasn't one of the original three films mm. and part of it was, i think a lot of us hit that point yeah and, and you know I'm, I'm really loving being back into this world and you know i've i think by the time the year is over if if all goes to plan, I'll have read seven or eight Star Wars novels this year. <laughs> and that's kind of insane. Uh, yeah.
0: I, I had that same point leading up to The Force Awakens.
1: You know, I'll have read the entire Aftermath trilogy. I'll have read Tarkin and A New Dawn. And I want to read Phasma before uh, the film I comes out. I still
0: haven't read that, and I need to get around
1: I to have it. I haven't. It's on my shelf here. And then I, I want to read... Um for, for reasons that I'll talk about in a minute, I guess, I want to read, and I don't know if it's any good, the um, the Greg Rucka novel, is it something of the Wills? Um,
0: oh, Guardians, Guardians of the Wills.
1: Guardians of the Wills.
0: Wills, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the Chirrut Bayes uh, novel.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I have like a – so when I saw Rogue One, I was instantly drawn to those characters – and mm-hmm. uh i i've been fascinated to learn more and so i uh i decided i want to read that one sooner than later as well so yeah, but that'll be natural. like that'll be like 7 8 or 9 novels this year uh which is you know again insanity and an, and, and not sustainable because there's not going to be enough books for me to read after two or three years of reading 8 or 9 books a year um but i'm really loving sort of this this dive into the other corners of the star Wars universe that aren't just in the three films uh, in the three original mm-hmm. films. Um, I'm really curious how I'm going to feel watching the prequels after finishing the clone wars. Cause that's sort of my, my, my plan right now is cause, cause my daughter had no interest in episode one. We started watching it. Yeah. But, but my goal is I'm going to plow through the, uh, the clone wars and then we will watch the prequels together. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to start rebels.
0: Yeah, that seems like a good plan.
1: Uh, So I'm interested to see how the Clone Wars show will, if anything, influence my enjoyment of those films. I think it will enhance my appreciation of those characters, but I don't know if that will translate to liking the films anymore.
0: That's what I found, is that you still get the moments where the films technically break down. Like, literally on a filmmaking level, this is ineffective, Mm-hmm. and how it's trying to tell whatever story it wants to tell, because half of those films feel like they're telling three stories at the same time. Right. And But none of them are either connected or well-communicated enough to kind of know what's in focus at any given time. Like, the the one that I keep going back to is whenever anyone talks about the prequels, is I just go, like, what's the, like, story of Attack of the Clones? Not, like, the plot of, like, the list of things that happens. Like, what is the story being told? Where it goes from an assassination to attempt to a conspiracy about clones to something about the separatists? Oh, big battle. It doesn't matter. Right. And interwoven through that is a really, like, meme-worthy, like, terrible romance story. Yeah, yeah. It's so, like... First draft of a screenplay unfocused, right? That you know, even with the context of the Clone Wars, it's hard to get over that hump.
1: So, I, I, I want to say something about George Lucas here. So, I watched yeah. the bonus features on the DVD of the first volume of the Clone War of sorry, of Clone Wars of the hand drawn stuff, yeah. And Lucas is interviewed as part of that, and Lucas pisses me off so much <laughs> in this. Because he does his thing. So, have you ever heard a Lucas interview where he refers to the lightsabers as laser swords?
0: Oh yeah. Do you remember the documentary that came out with the the Phantom Menace where for the longest time he refers to Jar Jar as a Gungan?
1: Yes. Uh, well, he keeps referring to it as the Clone War in this mm-hmm. in this uh, like in this extra in this special feature stuff, and I'm like, dude, you wrote all of this. You, first yeah. of all, you should know it's Clone Wars. Number one, number two, if you wanted it to be Clone War, you could have made it Clone War. You were literally the one guy who could have made that change. It's like but- you're the guy that came up with it, right? Exactly. And he caused a Clone War. And like you know, the thing with laser sword or gun, whatever, whatever bullshit he does. Like I just got the impression from watching that that Lucas sometimes like has no time for details. But mm-hmm. he just feels like we gotta keep moving forward. No time for details. Yeah. Who cares if it's plural or singular? No time, we gotta keep moving. And that's the biggest problem with all these movies. Is that I think it's 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 one of those things that's frustrating as a
0: fan, especially if as a fan of the mythology, is that, you know, you know nineteen seventy seven George Lucas really wanted to make a Flash Garden movie. Right. and couldn't quite get the rights to it, so made his own movie that was partially Flash Gordon, partially Akira Kurosawa, partially John Wayne movie. Right. Like, this weird blend of all the kind of shit that he loved. It was like half The Searchers, half, you know, uh, Hidden Fortress kind of part Seven Samurai. And that suddenly got super popular in a way that I don't think even he was really ready for. Right and so he feels like he he told the story with a very kind of basic morality code because he wanted it to be a story where you know people win through selfless acts like being good isn't about you know who you are but what you do and it's about selfless acts and that's the mythology of star wars that he cares about is that like morale structure whereas the mythology that a lot of the fans care about is the nitty-gritty world building Right That he just kind of because you l- read through some of the arcs, he was coming up with ideas and then repurposed them in subsequent drafts, just because it came with a better idea and was reusing names, and the empire went from like just the normal government to like this tyrannical government, and you know like drafts were changing and rearranging ideas almost on a whim to see whatever fit right. Right. And it's hard to kind of, I don't want to use the word respect, but it's hard to kind of like, uh, have that connection with a creator who doesn't care about the mythology of their work the same way that you do. Right. and, and I just all... one of the things I think...
2: Go ahead. Sorry, keep going. No, you go. You
0: well, it's just one of the things that I think people, you know, like, The Phantom Menace not being a well-made movie wouldn't have been at the end of the world if it didn't feel like Lucas was also being like, well, well, you know, Gungans, I guess. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, he, he was very, like, um, able to throw away mythology that people cared about because they're just ideas,
1: almost. And, like, part of me is very much in the, like, he's the creator. Whatever he says is more important than whatever I say yeah in one way but i'm also from the school thought of like it doesn't matter what the songwriter thought the song was about if the song is about your dead cat to you that's what's important right so i i kind of i kind of straddle these these two worlds with the way i think about it but what bothers me is if he didn't give a shit about the mythology then he should have let somebody else give a shit about it yeah that's i guess that's my point
0: I have a, a pseudo-theory that the reason that the prequels took the shape that they did wasn't really through much fault of Lucas, but through the producer, Rick McCallum. Rick McCallum. I think if you watch those behind-the-scenes stuff, like he seems to be very like, I want in on this Star Wars money train. Hey, George, do you want to get on in this Star Wars money train? And then, by all accounts you know, Lucas ups and sells to Disney, Kathleen Kennedy takes over, Rick McCallum is gone from the picture.
1: That's really you know, interesting, like, yeah.
0: I'm not like, I don't, okay, I don't want to like specifically point fingers, this <laughs> guy is the reason Star Wars was bad, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera, but just especially watching the, that one uh, documentary that's become, you know, its own kind of touchstone of of uh star wars memes uh thanks to Red Letter Media.
1: it rhymes yeah. yeah
0: okay i actually will defend that line to death i no, have so a I. pen on my vest that has that um <laughs> but like <laughs> of course you do i, I love that yeah of yeah. course i do
2: yeah
0: um uh I, I i can see where he's coming from with that it's just he he wasn't able to communicate that in the work is one of the problems. And I think if he'd have been able to communicate that in the prequels better, the fact that J.J. J. Abrams was able to communicate that wouldn't right. have been seen as just copying a new hope. You know?
1: Right. Yes, I agree with that. Um, So I guess my my Clone Wars question for you is... When all is said and done, where do you rank the Clone Wars among the Saga?
0: Okay. Um, I would have to do it like... Okay, taken as a whole, I, I per- personally go Star Wars, as in like, Theatrical Cut of New Hope, is number one for me. That is The Holy Grail of Star Wars. Um, Force Awakens, Empire. Wow. Yeah.
2: Wow, okay. Clone
0: Wars, Revenge of the Sith, Rogue One. Rebels? Depending on how this season goes, Rebels might shoot to the top, because this season's been really good. Then... Return of the Jedi, Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones. Yeah. It's it's, Clone Wars for me is like top five. Okay. Easily. Barely cut out of top three by Empire.
1: Okay. Wow.
0: Which is some high-ass praise from where you're sitting at now, I know. Well,
1: I'm I'm more taken aback
0: three in season
1: four i'm more taken aback by the force awakens being two really i mean look I, I love the force awakens and now that amelia is into star wars we've watched the force awakens a number of times together and yeah. it really holds up mm-hmm. like it's it's a perfectly crafted movie there are yeah. so few things in that movie that i don't like on a sitting around and watching it scale you know like yeah. um there are very few scenes that feel wasted or feel, like the Tar thing is the worst thing in the movie.
0: I was literally just about to be like, I have one bugbear, and it is the Tar scene. But
1: and, I, but I, I will but say, it's still fun. Yeah, it, I was gonna say two things about it. It's fun, and it it did a nice job of establishing what Han has been doing. Like, yeah, it just it it shows you the type of tightrope walk he's been doing. For the last 30 years. And I think mm. that's really important. I, I, I think to. Because it. Like, my, my problem with the Raftar scene is that it
0: kind of goes too quickly into here's a big CGI monster fest. Yes. Whereas the the, the showdown with, you know, like the Guavian Death Gang uh, and my favorite character in all of Star yes, Wars, Balatique, the only Glaswegian <laughs> in space.
2: I'm um, Did you know? You're a dead did man. Did you know
0: that my. My girlfriend knows that actor's mum. Really? That kind of that's kind of that's what Scotland's like.
1: (laughs) Do you just like hang out Um, outside of his house, waiting to talk to him?
0: God, I'm I genuinely might. Um, but no, the the that the the setup for that scene is part of my favorite. Is one of my favorite parts of that movie. What it turns into is, I think, what it felt like a forced action beat. Yeah. It felt like a. There's been a to- lot of talking. Let's make something happen. Um, and I wish they'd use that time more in the kind of tail end of the Takodana stuff. Um, I I don't think I'm the only one that thinks that the fight with like Finn and Nines, the like traitor, yeah. space marine probably could have been with Phasma or at least had some kind of a confrontation there and I certainly wish they'd set up more between Han and Kylo during that scene before their actual confrontation
1: I don't disagree with any of that but a friend of mine put it really interestingly to me which is that he's like you know when we meet Han Solo we're told he's a smuggler and then we never see him smuggle anything and this is the first time he, he
0: smuggles onto the Death Star. Yeah, but technically,
1: yeah, but but like, it's like this is the first time you see Han Solo in his non-heroic element. Yeah, and I'll give it that. It's not my it's, yeah. again. It's to me. It, it kind of drags the film down for a number of for a number of reasons. But that's okay. Um, but having that number two is 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 really is really high praise for me. Uh, I think it would probably be three or four for me Mm -hmm. you know empire is my number one and then a new hope and i don't think that order will ever change yeah i just think for for what those movies mean to me in my life like the last jedi would have to be you know citizen kane meets scott pilgrim meets uh i don't even know what else you know, it would have to be, like, the greatest film yeah. ever made, essentially, uh, to to crack that. But those two, and then I'd probably put The Force Awakens, Rogue One, or Force Awakens, maybe, Return of the Jedi, then Rogue One, then Revenge of the Sith. Like, Sith, to me, it is certainly the best of the prequels, but that's...
0: Mm-hmm. That, I, that's I will admit, I, I rank Sith way higher than most people do, and I rank Jedi way lower than most people do. Um, but that's because I can sit and watch Revenge of the Sith on a daily basis. I find that an incredibly watchable movie. I can barely get through the first half of Return of the Jedi on a good
1: day. And see, the first half of Return of the Jedi is my part of it I like.
0: Oh, it's... Like, I love everything else apart about that movie. The Jabba's Palace stuff has always really felt just like like as an adult as like a like critical thinker it really feels like tying up loose ends oh, of course before the actual movie starts and I get why it does that but there's part of me like it's the same thing where I, I go to like I can't revisit like Iron Man 1 because the first hour, and a, hour or so of that movie is just like here's 90% set up to get to the stuff that you actually want to see and once I've seen that once, I'm like, cool, sure, I can skip that for the rest of time.
1: Oh, see, I would I would watch the first hour or the first 40 minutes of Return of the Jedi every day. Yeah. I love that shit. And part of that is that you've got to realize, I was born in 1982, so oh, yeah. I had these movies on VHS. And, like, is there, a, is there a sequence in all of Star Wars that is more action-packed than that? Like, there's not. Like, That's – especially for the original yeah. trilogy. Like, you know, you get all the characters – working in concert together you see luke do a cool flip and grab a lightsaber that was shot from arts 2 off a barge yeah. <laughs> you know you get blind
0: you used use force kick a guy
1: yeah exactly <laughs> you get you get blind han shooting you know at uh, just barely missing lando like there's just there's so much stuff in that that i that i really loved as a kid and so mm-hmm. part of that is what i bring to it and revenge like, of the Sea i can't
0: even fault it on a technical level cuz that entire like what 45 minutes to an hour mm-hmm. is incredibly well constructed as its own like heist in the right. middle of a star wars movie yeah that shit's incredible i just find it incredibly tedious to revisit I if i've that. already seen it
1: and see revenge of the sith i've probably only seen that movie twice really i think i've only seen clones and sith twice each Maybe I've seen clones 3 times.
0: Yeah. God, I like Revenge of the Sith is up there with me where I'm like like yeah, there's there's some shit in that that's like incredibly just corny prequel shit that I even I can't defend, <laughs> but I think it is genuinely Lucas at his best. Because he
1: doesn't need to set anything up. Well, that it is what I was going to say. Is that that's, the that's a film of, of knocking payoff. down dominoes?
0: Yeah, and I I live for that shit. Like I like just it's one of like I always love even if it's uh, the actual like weakest part of the storytelling. I always love third acts. I always love the payoff. Like once I've seen the setup for something, I'm good i find it hard to revisit it but payoff i can just continually revisit especially like the
1: fact that i'm like the absolute opposite that's very interesting the
0: fact that lucas continually cut from the coolest shit i've ever seen which is the lightsaber fight i'd heard of since i was like six between like hey did you know that obi-wan and anakin fought on the side of a volcano? Yep. Which was the sickest thing I'd ever heard when it was told to me, like by a friend who read it somewhere, and I didn't even know who um, or where that they got it from. To like some of the worst shit in all of Star Wars, which is Ian McDermott's hammy up at puppet, Yo- like not like CGI Yoda. Yeah. Like the Senate fight is completely unnecessary, but the Mustafar fight's amazing. So I can kind of. Give it that on a personal level.
1: Okay. And see, for me, I saw Revenge of the Sith begrudgingly. Like, yeah, I've told the story before. I got a job at a movie theater so that I could see uh, Phantom Menace a day early, and yeah. I was still working there when Attack of the Clones came out. I saw it day early. Was like, well, that fucking sucked. I never have to see that again. And then, when in 2005, I am now 23. I'm living on my own. I have my first real job. And a friend of mine, like, dragged me to see it. He was like, Mm -hmm. you can't not go see the new Star Wars movie. And I was like, I cannot go see the new Star Wars movie. He's like, no, we're going. And so I went with him to see it. And, like, I thought it was all right. But at that point, I was so out of the... I was so out of the, uh, just, the emotion behind Star Wars that I didn't really care. And so watching it again before The Force Awakens came out... I did appreciate it a lot more. And mm. it was the one movie that I didn't want to stop watching. Like, there were times during yeah. the Phantom Menace, I'm like, alright, I'm good. I could, I can go <laughs> do something else right now. And during Attack of the Clones, like, to me, Attack of the Clones is a slog to get through.
0: Attack of the Clones, watching Attack of the Clones is genuinely, like, pulling teeth.
1: Yeah, it is. It's a bad time. <laughs> it's, it's not good. It's,
0: it's like, I, I don't think there's, there's some visual ideas in there that kind of work. And I think we mentioned that we definitely mentioned it last episode, with the reference to it in the Last Jedi trailer, of Anakin's like meditation that you brought up. Yes, yeah. Like, but that's like a diamond and like a mountain of shit. <laughs> like, there's so many just storytelling and and like filmic elements in that movie that don't gel. That it's it's so weirdly discordant and. How it doesn't know what story it wants to be like. Is it this massive, you know, shady like all the uh, all the presidents men level conspiracy? Is it a Romeo and Juliet style kind of Shakespearean tragic love opera? Is it a reference to to John Carter? Is it a warm like all of these discordant elements never gel for like two hours and then it's just over. I guess the Clone Wars just started.
1: The Clone Wars. Uh, what does you want to say? Like uh,
0: begun. The begun Clone, Clone Wars, Wars have. have. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: Why is it called the Clone Wars when you know There's nothing you to do just, with clones? Like,
2: <laughs>
0: the, like literally yesterday, you found out that the Republic had an army of clones, and now you're defining this war by the fact that clones for it? question mark
1: that would be like if the if if a, if, a, if a military organization introduced like a new uniform that was purple yeah. and the and the president was like you know today the purple wars have begun like wait what this is about purple this is yeah
0: it's literally like hey we like invaded this country and our soldiers took like an m16 instead of an m4 this is the m16 war yeah. Like, World War Two is now the Tommy Gun War. George, what? how come Uh, almost every episode where we just talk for like an hour turns into bashing about the deck of the clones?
1: I, be, because it was the linchpin that then destroyed everything else.
0: Yeah. It was so... The fact that it learned nothing from the Phantom Menace is continues to shock me.
1: So uh I'm a huge fan of early Weezer music. And right. one of the things I say all the time is that Rivers Cuomo, the lead singer of Weezer, takes the wrong lesson from everything. That like okay. whenever a new album comes out, half of it's really good and the next album doubles down on the bad half of the last album. Like he never learns his mistakes. Ever. And that's what happens consistently. And I feel like to a certain degree, Lucas is the same way, where Lucas never, never learns from his mistake. He just leans into it more. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I, I really feel bad for the Jake Lloyd's and Hayden Christians of the world because those careers are probably never going to be anything because George Lucas gave them shit to work with.
0: Yeah. Do you you did you watch the uh the live stream of celebration this year?
1: Uh, I saw parts of it. I didn't see all of it. But Hayden did Christensen you seems to be the... pretty 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 happy to be there.
0: Yeah, like where they they kind of brought like because it, it was this weird like this is your life of George Lucas, <laughs> and they made such a big deal of hey Hayden Christensen's going to be at celebration. I wonder what that could mean. And it was basically like them on stage for like five minutes, awkwardly timed of dancing around the fact that they've both been on the tail end of some of the worst internet abuse I've ever seen leveled at a creator in like my entire time alive. Right. It was so weird. Like how many people in that audience were sitting there being like, Oh, I've seen I've said some bad words about both of these. Yep,
1: things. yep. I wonder if there's anything they could do with Hayden Christensen to re- to rehabilitate him within Star Wars. Not within the world, within <clears throat> Star Wars.
0: So, before this recent Darth Vader comic uh, came out, I was really kind of like mulling about the idea of a Darth Vader solo movie. Because... I think James Earl Jones has put some of the best work into Star Wars, and he is getting on a bit, I should say. Oh, yeah. Um, He is now in his mid to late 80s and has been around Star Wars since literally day one and has been arguably the most iconic character of the entire saga.
1: I'd say inarguably. I, I don't... Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like... He is what made Darth Vader the icon he is outside of how cool the design of the costume is. But, like, the the costume has to be married to James Earl Jones' voice to create that effect. And it never really felt like he got the, the spotlight, I should say, like, you know, even to the point where they finally unmask Vader in the turn of the Jedi, and it's some other actor who showed up for one scene... Uh, who's apparently called uh, um, something Shaw. Sebastian Shaw. Yeah. Um, Sebastian Shaw, who's the exact same... I'd like, I remember reading that and being like, the X-Men villain? <laughs> like, every time I read that, I was like, wait a minute, what? Um, But I was mulling about this idea of, like, after, you know, v- uh, James Earl Jones returned as Vader in Rebels and obviously returned for Rogue One, like... We could give him a movie where, you know, it doesn't necessarily matter who's in, you know, the suit for the movie, but you could give him the spotlight to show off his voice acting range as Vader. And the idea was, hey, let's make it about the Sith trials and him making his new lightsaber. Except, wait a minute, Marvel just did that. You know, that was yeah. why I got annoyed at that comic for a while. But you could easily have. You know, have had like force visions, in of of that, of bringing back the Anakin side of things, and bringing back Caden Christensen, and kind of celebrating the icon that made Star Wars, and all of the various actors that built him, maybe including Jake Lloyd if he's still kicking around.
1: I don't know but how you do that.
0: I mean, either, but. I think it would have been a a cool celebration.
1: Yeah. I feel like it's a little bit easier because you figure like with Hayden Christensen, if you're doing a force vision, how much time is supposed to pass between three and four? Uh, Uh, 19 years. And then what is another five before Jedi? Yeah. Yeah. So in twenty four years, we're supposed to believe that Hayden Christensen becomes Sebastian Shaw. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a Fearing little. Bearing in
0: mind that the last time we saw Hayden Christensen, he looked like deep fried barbecue chicken. Right,
1: right. Um,
0: like he had a bad time of it.
1: Yeah, uh, but even like Sebastian Shaw, as a force ghost, looks about twenty five years older. That he's thin, yeah, probably but these supposed to the same to be.
0: films that expect you to believe that Ewan McGregor aged into Alec Guinness in 19 years. That's true. That's true. He had a hard life from Tatooine, apparently.
1: Hey, he did. He did. Um, But anyway, I guess I, what, what's so exciting is that we know Rebels is ending this year, right? This is the last season of Rebels.
0: They have called it as the final season. Yes. And so far, we're, I believe, next week is the like mid-season finale maybe
1: okay Um, um it's been great so far i'm so excited to dig in but what i was gonna say is we probably do you think we're gonna see another star wars show before the live action one
0: i think so um if unless dave filoni's what he's continuing to work on is the live action show which i think would be very cool um i think we're gonna see another animated show I know that he's specifically talked about keeping his team together, which has largely been the same team since Clone Wars, which is why, like, the the reason Rebels existed in the first place was that Cartoon Network cancelled Clone Wars, and then shortly thereafter, the talks with Disney started, and Dave Filoni was like, I don't want my team who just did, like, multiple Emmy Award-winning work on the best thing to happen to star wars in years to disband to go find other jobs i want to keep working with them and hence rebels
2: mm-hmm.
0: and so i think with how strong they've made rebels it took a while but with how strong they've they've made that in the final season i think if they move on to a new show any different say, st- uh, time period or whatever mm-hmm. they could do something really special with that
1: Cool. My goal, then, is to finish both Clone Wars and Rebels before the new show starts.
0: Yeah. that's that's that doable.
1: As I'm not going to be reviewing Rebels for Multiversity, as you already have, I can binge that mm-hmm. one properly.
0: Yeah. And, like, the the first season was, like, eight to ten episodes. Um, There was a couple, like, basically TV movies... Uh, and, like, they're, again, 20-minute episodes. You can knock two of them
1: out in an hour. Yeah. Alright, well, I'm excited. Anything else to talk about before we wrap up?
0: Um, I don't think so. Unless they, like, surprise announced the, uh, Kenobi movie and the <laughs> hour and a half we've talked. Uh, I think that is an episode. Alright. Star Wars is exciting. Uh, we've been saying that a lot over the last year, but I think today's shown that, you know, there's still curveballs to be thrown by Lucasfilm. And uh, they hit you where you least expect it.
1: Yeah. Oh boy. I'm feeling good.
0: Cool. So, as we're wrapping up, how about you let people know where they can find you on the internet
1: and places? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find me at multiversitycomics.com. We are prepping our year in review stuff, which is some of my favorite stuff we do all year. So keep an eye out that starting December 4th is the first bit of that. And uh, find me on Twitter at Bridie's where I'm angry about politics or angry about comics <laughs> or angry about something else or praising star Wars. I'm almost always star Wars positive though. So uh, yeah, come say hi.
0: And you can also find me at multiversity comics where I do, you know, various writing and stuff. I am, currently in the middle of reviewing Star Wars Rebels which as I say has been at it's best this season so uh, if you're watching that check out what I've been thinking in detail on those uh, reviews I am on Twitter at Alice W Castle and I hope if you are listening to this the Friday goes up you enjoy my Twitter name because I did that for you <laughs> and uh... Uh, yeah may the force be with you Yeah. <laughs>